Monday, January 29th, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City, Denver, Colorado. Happy Monday to you. I know. I know. It's Monday. Not usually the greatest day of the week, but that's all right. That's all right, because this is Super Bowl week, everyone. Yes, and while we might be having a hard time coming up with any reason to actually watch the Super Bowl this year, it is still Super Bowl week. So we are going to have a lot of things this week. We will have a week full of stupid questions to the players and the coaches. We are going to have storylines that will literally be so asinine, you won't even be able to bring yourself to click on them. We're going to be hearing from celebrities and what they think is going to happen in the big game, despite the fact they have no idea who is even playing in this game. We will have Super Bowl parties, and we, at least here in the United States, will find a number of new ways to eat cheese. Yeah, cheese. We will have fried cheese. We will have cheese stuffed into things. We will have cheese plates. We will have cheese puffs, cheese stuffed into peppers, cheese wrapped in bacon, cheese jammed into breadsticks, cheese jammed into pizza crust. Every other way that you can possibly eat cheese, that is what is coming for us at these Super Bowl parties. So while today is Monday, and you might not be feeling great about it being Monday, it's another start of another work week or another school week, it is nothing. Like today is nothing compared to how we are all going to feel next week after the Patriots most likely win another Super Bowl and we are hungover and backed up from all that frigging cheese. (gasps) Now, if you would like to contact the show, tell us what cheese you will be serving at your Super Bowl party, we would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosports at gmail.com or go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at Daily Dose Sports. Today, we are going to be looking at a few of the crazy sports stories that did take place over the weekend. Plus, we will be joined by a longtime friend of the show to discuss this past NFL season and what he thinks is going to happen in Super Bowl 52. We've got a lot to get to on this final Monday of January. A couple things coming out in breaking news. Of course, over the weekend, the NBA Western Conference took a little bit of a hit, didn't they? You know, and it's going to be interesting to see how it ends up playing out over the rest of the season. First, the sixth-place New Orleans Pelicans lost big man DeMarcus Cousins with a blown knee on Friday night. You know, I don't think the Pelicans could really contend for anything because they just don't have the guards, but they could have made things very, very difficult for a team like maybe a San Antonio or maybe a young team like Minnesota in the first round. Yeah, they could have done that. And then Oklahoma City... Also lost guard Anthony Robertson to a blown patellar tendon. He's gone for the year too. And while we know that Robertson can't score 20 points in an empty gym, he is a very, very good defender. And you know, the thing about Robertson, you sit there and say, well, he's not a scorer. He's not a shooter. He can't make the open shot. I understand all that. But he allows the big three down in Oklahoma City to guard lesser players because he's a good defender. You don't want Russell Westbrook wearing himself out guarding the other team's best guard. Give that to Robertson. Plus, Robertson doesn't take many shots, so that helps too. You know, Oklahoma City has looked like they have been starting to show some major improvement. Losing Robertson, that's a big loss. At least it could be a big loss. Oh, and also, one other thing that happened. The Memphis Grizzlies announced that point guard Mike Conley will be shut down for the rest of the season with his heel injury, which doesn't really affect anything because the Grizzlies suck so bad, but they are in the Western Conference, so I thought I'd, you know, throw that in there. 
You know, these other two injuries, not so much the Conley one, because since Conley went out, Memphis has completely disappeared. So they didn't make any difference anyways. But those other two injuries, they changed the look of maybe the playoff race. Could those two injuries open up possible spots? Could they change where teams are currently sitting? Because teams like Portland or Denver or maybe even the Clippers or Jazz could move up in those standings and get a little bit better of a playoff seed than what they would have had. It's going to be very, very interesting to keep an eye on the New Orleans Pelicans and the Oklahoma City Thunder over the next few weeks and see how they handle it. Of course, Roger Federer won the Australian Open yesterday. The 20th Grand Slam event of his amazing career. At the age of 36 years, 173 days, Federer became the second oldest man to win a Grand Slam title in the Open Era. Pretty amazing feat, really. Especially when you think about his age and you think about the way he plays. It's not like he's a defensive guy. It's not like he's a counterpunch guy. He is an attacking guy. He is a guy that wins everything with his forehand and just coming at the net and being aggressive all the time. How is he still winning? It doesn't make any sense. I don't know what he's taking. I don't know what he's drinking. Give some of it to Tiger Woods. Maybe he's on the Tom Brady plan. I don't know what he's doing, but Roger Federer is defying age right now. He has some sort of weird time machine thing going. It is absolutely amazing. You know, there were a number of sporting events over the weekend took place. Of course, the NFL had their Pro Bowl. College football had their Senior Bowl. And the NHL, they had their all-star weekend. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't watch much of any of it. I watched some really, really good college basketball. That's what I watched. The Virginia Duke game on Saturday, I told you to watch that one. I told you that was must-see TV. That was a very, very fun game. Saw Marquette push Villanova to the brink on Sunday. Indiana and Purdue, they had a great battle on Sunday as well. But you know, I just can't bring myself to watch this stuff. I can't bring myself to watch the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is such a monumental waste of time. And I understand. I get it. It's not for me. It's not for me. I don't know who it actually is for. Is it for kids? Is that what the Pro Bowl is for? I don't know. It's for someone, but it's not for me. I'm not watching it. It's absolutely horrible. The Senior Bowl is not for me either. The Senior Bowl is actually for the coaches because they put NFL coaches in there and coaches go in there and they try to get to know these players. It's not about what happens on the field with the Senior Bowl. It's about trying to get to know these kids. What kind of kid is he? Is he going to play hard? Does he care? Is he going to put in work? What kind of person is it? It's not about what goes on on the field for the Senior Bowl. And it's kind of funny because I hear all these people saying, hey, you know, so-and-so did this in the Senior Bowl. That means they should go here. They should be drafted here. We have two or three seasons of actual games against actual competition. And you're going to tell me that like someone like Josh Allen either can play or can't play from this goofy exhibition game? Stop it. I'm not watching that. That's garbage. You know, I watched a little bit of the NHL Skills Challenge. But again, most of this stuff that was over the weekend, wow, it's just, it's not worth watching. I watched a couple minutes of the NFL Skills Challenge. Oh, I had to turn that. That was stupid. I couldn't even hang. And of course, the big story coming out over the weekend. And of course, it was released on a Friday. You know they like to do this. They release these stories on Friday in hopes maybe everyone will forget about it. But the big story is that the trouble at Michigan State University Looks like it is just beginning. Now, an ESPN outside the lines investigation has found a pattern of widespread denial, inaction, and information suppression of such allegations by officials ranging from campus police to the Michigan State Athletic Department. They include allegations not only against Dr. Larry Nasser, which we knew that stuff was out there, right? But now we have allegations against both head football coach Mark D'Antonio and that football program. 
and Tom Izzo and his basketball program. You know, since D'Antonio's tenure began in 2007, this report says at least 16 Michigan State football players have been accused of sexual assault or violence against women. And the report also says that there were never before publicized reports of sexual or violent incidents involving members of Tom Izzo's basketball program, including one report made against a former undergraduate student assistant coach who was allowed to continue coaching after he had been criminally charged for punching a female student in the face at a bar. Not to trivialize this, I swear I'm not, and discuss something as unimportant in comparison as sports, but this season is not going to be canceled. And like you know that the Tom Izzo-led hoops team is going to have to answer questions about this the rest of the year. They will hear it at every visiting arena. They will see the signs. They will hear the chants, all that stuff. It has to affect them, doesn't it? How could it not? This is a team that has the talent to win it all. Not sure if they're going to be able to overcome this hurricane of coverage that is going to be coming. You know, later this week, because as scary as all this is, and as scary as what is going on at Michigan State is, later this week, I will tell you what the scariest part of this story actually is. And it is horrifying when you think about it. Hey, coming back, we will be joined by a longtime friend of the show to discuss the 2017 NFL season and get his pick for Super Bowl 52. Joining us right now, a longtime friend of the Daily Dose and a guy that I go to when I want to bounce ideas off of or get his thoughts on basically any sporting event ever, Mike from Castle Rock joins us right now on the Daily Dose. Mike, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome, I have to say, I'm hoping you can talk me out of this, but I've got to say, we wanted to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl today. I'm not that excited about the Super Bowl. Like, am I crazy, or is there like a reason I should be excited about Super Bowl 52? Unfortunately, there's, for a majority of football fans, I think a lot of us are in the same boat that you and I are. You've got, but let me take a step back. How much more excited would you be if Carson Wentz was playing? Oh, yeah. Then it's an interesting bowl, because then you've got two very, very good quarterbacks. Honestly, the teams throughout the season have been on a collision course, but it just doesn't spark the interest with Nick Foles. No, it doesn't. And that's kind of been one of the storylines, I think, of the season in the NFL. And again, people wondering why numbers are so far down. But when you don't have good quarterbacks, it's really tough to get excited about football. Tom Brady had to see the two games for the conference championship weekend and just go, wow. (laughs) Oh, I know. Has, has there ever been a softer course to the Super Bowl than what Tom Brady has gone through? Because if there is, I can't think of it offhand. Absolutely not. Uh, seriously, that, that was, give, give Jacksonville their due. The defense is incredible. Blake Borders just isn't the answer, I don't think. But you're still in New England. Yeah. But <laughs> if there was ever such thing as a cupcake schedule to the Super Bowl, this was it. I wonder if maybe we switched Marcus Mariota and Blake Bortles. Like, if we just swapped them, then maybe Jacksonville would have been interesting at least. Uh, yeah, and here's the thing is, to be honest with you, Blake Bortles did not play terrible. No, the he just couldn't make plays. They just bottled up in the fourth quarter. They, they could not move the ball, could not do a thing. That's the biggest problem that you see in a lot of these young quarterbacks and where Brady beats them is that he is the guy that consistently makes the plays down the stretch, and they don't. Yep, it's, it's been there, done that. Just follow me, boys, and we'll get through it. <laughs> it's the legacy he's put together. You know, every NFL season 
has surprises. Every single year we sit there and we look at the teams and we look at maybe teams that we thought would be in the playoffs or teams that we thought would be terrible and they end up being better than we thought. What are the surprises that would stand out to you about this 2017 NFL season? Does anybody stand out to you or anything stand out to you? few things. I think Buffalo was a little bit better than I originally had anticipated. A, a lot of people, myself included, did feel that Jacksonville was going to take a step forward, but that was a leap forward. Oh, yeah. I, I, I thought the Broncos would slide back a little bit, but that was way more than a slide. Well, and not just the Broncos, but the entire AFC West. Yes. How bad was the West? I mean, you're looking at it going into the season. You're saying, hey, Raiders have car back. They should be a contender. They were horrible. Yep. The Chiefs. A lot of people thought there were going to be three playoff teams out of the West. Yes. And w- honestly, they shouldn't have got one. Because as, as good as the Chiefs were at times, you yeah. started to see down the stretch of the season how soft they were up front, how when forced to really make plays down the field, and when they when they stack the box and they take away those quick outside routes, I mean, Alex Smith just... I don't hate on fact, Alex Smith, but he couldn't make the plays. <laughs> the fact that this terrible... Broncos team this year went in and gave the Chiefs a game. Yes, <laughs> into Kansas City. That was at the beginning that when they started their uh, losing streak. There, Kansas City did that showed the first chink in the armor. And then they just lost games they had no business losing. Right, and lost to teams they had no business losing to. You're sitting there going, if you're truly a contender, if you're really the legit contender that we all kind of thought maybe they might be at the beginning of the year, there's no way you're losing these kind of games. Yeah. And we just, we saw Andy Reid kind of go Andy Reid on us where he stops doing the things that he's had success with. Just like the playoff game. The leading rusher in the NFL, he's not giving the ball to. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. None. And he's a dynamic guy too. I just, I don't know why you don't feed that guy 25 plus times a game. Biggest team surprise to me this year though, the Rams. Yeah, for sure. Nobody saw that coming. We're so used to the Rams just going eight and eight. Fisher Rams, seven and nine, eight and eight. Every seven year. Nine, eight and eight. Eight and eight, nine and seven, maybe. Yep. Back to eight and eight. Yep. And it's just every year. And to see them come out and actually, especially offensively, because we knew that defense had talent, but especially offensively, to just see them come out and they're throwing the ball down the field. And Jared Goff, you're looking at him, wow, he looks really, really good. And the playoff thing doesn't surprise me. And if I'm a Rams fan, honestly, that's not that big of a setback. Because if you'd have told them at the beginning of the year, You're going to go to the playoffs. You're going to host a playoff game. They would have lost their minds and said, no way. Now, having said that, I don't know. Do Rams fans exist? Is that a thing? Like, I have no idea. Give give the tickets away at a local mall. Yeah, I go out to Southern California every year, and I've never never witnessed one. I mean, I've never seen Bigfoot. I don't know. I don't know if they exist. It's an interesting dynamic there that the NFL did, putting two teams in there that previously Los Angeles couldn't hold on to one team. Right. And now they're trying to put two in there. So I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. They are a young, exciting team. Well, in Los Angeles, Chargers still can't get used to saying that. No, I can't either. Are an <laughs> old quarterback with a decent young defense, fairly exciting team. They're, they seem to be trending upwards, too. So who knows? I, I, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't think Rivers will even be playing by the time I get that stadium done. But No, he won't. Knows? Well, and, and you had teams like you know Seattle that everyone is looking at and saying, hey, Super Bowl contender – they went underwent a ton of injuries. They had a ton of injuries this year. Yep. And also, they have a lot of holes in their roster. Those weren't the, just because of the injuries. Like, you look at their offensive line, you're like, eh, injuries or not, that's a bad offensive line. You're asking Russell yep. Wilson to run around like a maniac and somehow create something with very little help around him. 
It's kind of no wonder that that's a three-win team without Russell Wilson. Oh, absolutely, it is. I still, I still think he should get a, at least a couple of votes for MVP. When you look at what they have around him, he doesn't have any help. Right. The one thing that is kind of standing out to me is one: the lack of quality quarterback play, and two: the teams that are stout up front, especially offensive line. If you've got some people up front. No big surprise, you're going to be pretty good. And if you don't, you're going to struggle all year. No matter what you have, you're going to struggle all year. How much more difficult is it to, for an average quarterback to be an average or above average guy if he's got one and a half seconds to make a decision and get rid of the ball? The, the offensive line play is horrid in the league, and I, I don't know how it gets any better. I don't either, because when you've limited practice time and you've limited hitting in contact... And I understand, I understand what they're doing, and I'm not saying not to do it. I'm just saying, how do you get better? There's no, there's no way to build these offensive linemen, not to mention the fact that most of these offensive linemen are coming from college schemes where they run spread stuff. They hold the block for literally a half a second and let them go. It's just not that conducive to building strong offensive lines at the professional level. Yep. I don't know. I, I hope it starts trending the other way because you, you, how many quarter, big quarterback injuries have there been in the last two years? Oh, I know. Yeah, just one after another, it seems like. You know, the one thing that I don't think gets enough credit, and we talked about it just a little bit on the show, but how good was that Patriots offensive line in the second half of that Jacksonville game? The beginning of the game, you're seeing Brady under pressure. You're seeing him hurry some throws. You're seeing him look very, very uncomfortable. In the second half, as good as that Jacksonville defense was, they weren't getting near him, and he was picking them apart. Is there, well, in... Atlanta knows how to answer this question. Is there a better team at second-half adjustments than the Patriots? No, there's no better coach maybe ever than Bill Belichick at week-to-week adjustments. I look at him sometimes in the offseason, and I'm watching him, and I watch him come in, and at the beginning of the year, they always struggle a little bit. And I know what Belichick's doing because I've coached with coaches that kind of look at the game the same way. And he's going, I don't care about these games. I'm sorry. I don't care about them. We are building for the postseason, and that is all I care about. So take your silly Kansas City win. I don't care about that. Take your stupid little Miami Dolphins win. I don't care about that either. But come postseason, we will be adjusted. The offensive line and defensive line will be playing much, much improved. And we know we have Tom Brady, and that's probably enough. It's perfect what you said, because how many times in the last four or five years has New England had either a bad game at the beginning, a bad start, uh, you know, maybe two and two, things like that, and, and, and oh, the chicken little, the sky's falling. Oh, yes. it's time for Brady to go. Belichick has passed, and then guess who ends up in the Super Bowl? Oh, I know. Bill Belichick is just so good at those mid-season, week-to-week, half-to-half, quarter-to-quarter adjustments. He does it better than anyone else. He's going to take away what you like to do, and he is going to get his group to play a little bit better than you play. Past Brady and Gronkowski. Name a superstar on that team. Oh, I know. I I like Edelman, and Edelman's Edelman's Wes Welker. Yes. Danny Amendola, that's a guy that most teams would cut. He wouldn't even yes. make your roster. Yeah. No, he is very, very good at taking players that other teams wouldn't even want and saying, here is our system. You're going to buy into it, and you're going to have success if you do. And if you don't, we'll get rid of you. And we see him get rid of those guys every year. Say hello to the Cleveland Browns. Yes, enjoy. <laughs> enjoy watching us on TV in the postseason because you won't be here with us. No, he is just, he's so good at it. And I know, you know, the Deflategate stuff and the Spygate stuff, I, I get all that. He is just so good at making those adjustments. I don't know if there's ever been a coach better at it than Bill Belichick. No, uh, 
there really hasn't. And it, it's interesting to see how true that whole, you know, there's trouble between the, the powers and things like that, how this off season transpires. But, um, that won't matter after the Super Bowl, until after the Super Bowl. So, well, and and I want to ask you about that because I'm glad you brought that up. Because at what point does the long-awaited collapse of the Patriots actually begin? Like, are we starting to see that, or is that all kind of being manufactured and trying to get clicks and sell newspapers or whatever? Are we starting to see a little bit of you know kind of dents in their armor and go? Eh, they might have a little bit of a problem here at some point going forward. That's a lot of egos. I don't care how you slice it. Between Kraft, Belichick, and Brady, all three of those guys feel I'm the guy that's responsible for all this. At what yeah. point do we start to see them kind of start pulling in different directions? They've all stayed together. How long can three alphas survive together? Yes. That's, um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how how much that Garoppolo thing really may have caused a rift. Well, and there's no question that that is going to haunt that Patriots team at some point. You yeah. can't get rid of a quality player like that because this guy, whatever, feels threatened. You know, Brady doesn't like you. I don't know what the situation was there. If that is accurate, and I don't know how much of it to believe, but there's no question that Brady, it, hey, it's my job. Kid, get out of here. Don't get in my way. There's no question that has to be there a little bit. But when you look at even that cut to Brady's hand prior to the championship game, what if he couldn't have played? I don't, who's their backup? Brian Hoyers? I don't even know. Bobby Hoying, I have no idea who their backup is. Yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting offseason. Obviously, here in Denver, we've got the biggest offseason in, I don't know, maybe history. Here, right, but, right. Uh, that whole New England thing, if anything happens, maybe it gets swept under the rug. Maybe it blows up. I don't know. It, it could be a very, very interesting offseason for sure. Hey, coming back, we are going to get Mike's Super Bowl pick and see what he thinks is going to happen this Sunday. Do the Philadelphia Eagles have any chance at winning this game? Just a quick reminder, you need to get something for Valentine's Day for that special someone. You might as well head over to LootCrate.com forward slash Daily Dose for all of the latest pop culture collectibles featuring your favorite TV shows, movies, and video games to find something. February's Loot Crate theme, it's called Protect, and it features items from Black Panther, Fallout, The Expanse, and Pacific Rim Uprising. The best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, make sure you enter Daily Dose in the coupon box. We will get you 10% off of your order, and every little bit helps. There's no reason to go spend crazy money on Valentine's Day. Head over to LootCrate.com. You can find exactly what you need right there. Okay, Mike, let's get to the most important part of your visit here. The biggest question we have, how excited for the XFL are you? Uh, I don't know. Hey, it's, it's, uh, about 10th on the list of one to five. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think, you, I think we're about the same page then. You know, the question I have about the XFL, we can't even get like good players in the NFL right now. We can't even find decent quarterbacks in the NFL. What are they going to be putting out on the field in the XFL? Like literally you and I should try out. We might have a job. Know, go slinging around for a little bit. Sure. I, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, what are they starting with eight teams? Something like that. Uh, not very big rosters or thirty something guys, something like that. I don't know. What, I mean, where are you going to find two hundred some odd guys and be able to field a roster that has more than two guys who can 
maybe warm a bench on an NFL team. Yeah, I just don't see it. There's too many other places for these guys to go. And even going to Canada or going you know, to an established league like that, I just can't see them playing. And I, I wish it would work. I Honestly, I wish it would work. Because when we were kids and the USFL was getting good and signing legitimate players, it really was kind of an interesting time. Because we were seeing not just the USFL take the garbage Guys, we were seeing them get the top play. They, Jim Kelly, Herschel Walker, all these, Reggie White, they went to the USFL instead of the NFL. I would love to see something like that. I just don't see it happening. I don't think there's any way. Well, you bring up a good point. How many stories are there in the NFL of a guy sitting on a bench and only getting a shot because somebody had him was injured and he just lights it up? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I don't know, Tom Brady. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, know. it happens. There, Just there, get the opportunity. How many players out there are victims of a limited roster in the NFL that maybe maybe they don't flash on film, you know, maybe they don't practice the best, but you put them in a real life situation yes. and the light turns on. And Kurt Warner appears. Yes. Yeah. No, they're out there. You just got to find them. Yeah. So maybe this opens up a, a place for guys like that. That's what you hope. Is uh. He Hate Me still available? I don't know if He Hate Me is still available, but there are some things I would like to see in the XFL. I wish they would clean up the catch rule because I can't figure out what's a catch and what's not in the NFL anymore. I have no Uh. idea. I have no idea what it is. And I watch the replay, and I'm like, I'm watching the replay, and I see one thing, and I promise you the ref's going to call it the opposite way. I have no – it it makes no sense to me. That's so subjective. I don't don't understand. You know, we'll, we'll be watching the same game, and we'll be texting each other. Okay, he did this, did this, did this. Looks like a catch to me, which means it's not going to be a catch. Yes. But is there a black and white way of doing it? That that's the problem. See, I want to just I want to go back to two feet in possession and just be done, and that's it. Two feet in possession, Mm -hmm. the end. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I don't care about completing the catch and the ground. Is did he recover the ground or I, I I don't care about that stuff. Two feet possession done. Okay, that's it. It would eliminate so many of the replays too. No, he had it. He pulled it. He feet her down. That's it. Done. Yeah, the, the fact that you have to maintain possession of the ball through the tunnel, falling to the ground, out of bounds, and I, yeah, it's it's goofy. It's gotten so confusing. Okay, Super Bowl 52. We do have to get around to Super Bowl 52 at some point. You know, I look at this game, and I actually think Philadelphia has the better team, but of course the Patriots have the better quarterback. They have the better head coach. Is there any scenario you can see Super Bowl 52? The Eagles pulling the upset. Um, they've got the best part of the Giants team that beat Brady twice in the Super Bowl. Yes, that front four put pressure on without having to blitz. They were able to drop seven into coverage. the best part of the Broncos' eventual Super Bowl winning team that beat Brady in the AFC Championship. Same thing. Pass rush took him out of his timing and were able to drop people into coverage and take away lanes from him. Yeah, you know, Brady, Brady still says that that AFC Championship game, he got hit more than in his entire career. <laughs> oh, and he did. I think they counted 23. And here's the thing. A lot of people don't remember this. They had a shot to tie that at the end. Yes, they did. If that game's in New England, I, I hate to say we don't win that game. There's no way. Uh, yeah, I mean, we uh, literally slobber knock Brady all day long, and he still almost brought him back. So, uh, sure, there, there's, a, there's a scenario. You've, you've got to every single play put pressure on him. You can't, you know, you got to watch out for their second half adjustments, whatever they may be. You do, you may be, maybe you mix it up every now and then and throw in a, a blindside blitz, something like that. 
and you absolutely cannot turn the ball over on offense. Nope. Uh, Foles had a great game. He, he looked more like the Foles of the old Foles of uh, Philadelphia, you know, a few years back. I don't know. You know, if, if I had to put money on it, you know, obviously, uh, look at what Minnesota did last year. It wasn't Atlanta. Even, or, yeah, Atlanta. They worked them in the first half. Yep. Just uh, it, it, it wasn't even close. Oh, uh, just dominating. You know, I'm looking at the TV. And go, Am I watching the right thing? And then it didn't matter. It absolutely did not matter. Nope. You know, Jacksonville had a dominating first half, and they just came back in the second half. I they don't a, know. They had a 10-point fourth quarter lead. more dynamic players with Philadelphia. Yeah. Their offense does seem to be better. I do. I, can they do it? Yes. Do I believe they will? No. I, I just, it might end up being more interesting to see how many arrests of Philadelphia fans there are in the stands. Right, and I think there'll be a ton of those. How big of a lead would Philly have to have for you to think they might win? Like, if they're up 28-3, to we know that's probably not enough, but, like, what would the lead be that you'd be like, no, I think they're going to finally get this thing? At halftime or when? Let's say start of the fourth. Start start of the fourth. (laughs) 29-3? Four touchdowns. 30-3? Is that getting in the ballpark where you're like, they got a shot, they got a shot at this thing? Okay, Philly fans, you can finally relax. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I really don't see it happening. I, I don't either. I want a good game. I want an entertaining game. Yes. I honestly, I think it will be. I, I really do. Oh, I um, hope. I hope. I'm not even but, looking forward to this game. Yeah. I hope it's good. I hope it's close. Okay, I need a prediction before you go. Give me a score. We're going to track and see of the people that come on. I'm going to make a prediction at the end of the week. What is your final score for Super Bowl 52? They heard it here first. 34-31 New England. Ooh, you've got a, like a little shootout going. Oh, I yeah, hope it's that I, good. I hope it's that I, good. I, I, I think there's going to need to be some points scored. So, yeah. 34-31 New England Patriots. Mike called it. You heard it here first. Mike, thank you so much for stopping by the Daily Dose. You know your visits are always appreciated. You come on whenever you want. And I want to throw this out there. You better keep in mind, we are doing a show now every single day. We're doing two and a half hours a week now on the Daily Dose. We're going to need you back this summer, and we're going to have to do one of our kind of, you know, greatest of all time kind of shows or something like that. So I'm just, I'm telling you now, be ready because it's coming. Book it. That sounds fun. Hey, we have a full week packed with more Daily Dose for you. Tomorrow on the Tuesday edition, we are chasing another guest for the show, but he just might have a little bit of a biased opinion on this upcoming Super Bowl. But that's all right. That's all right. Because he does know how to make some picks. We've got proof of that. We will have our hump day power rankings as we do every week. We will have overreactions of the week and even our daily dose top five to get to this week. So we have a ton of things for you here at the Daily Dose. Have to say thank you so much for listening to the Daily Dose on your Monday. Thank you for all of you that share the show, all the texts, all the tweets. It is all very appreciated. If you would like to contact us with what's on your mind, email us at dailydosesports at gmail.com or find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a wonderful Monday.